maximum firepower. Well, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and start. You know, welcome to the Brace for Impact podcast. I'm Luke with Chandler. Today, we're gonna review our last battle report, talk about the recent Atomic Mass Games mini extravaganza event, and then we're going to review Separatist fleets discuss potential strengths and weaknesses, and time allowing, top it off with a slight discussion on the situation of 3D printing, especially with Citadel and cults. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, I mean, if we've got time, because I know you got a time crunch, we can do it today, or we can just, um, we'll just put it to, like, you know, we'll dedicate its own episode. Because a, a lot of that stuff has been coming up, especially on the Armada Facebook mm-hmm. of, like, 3D printed product fair enough um well let's go ahead let's move to the first segment uh battle report review excellent uh recently we had our 22nd battle report it was the tsunami fleet versus the diamondback fleet we're going to start talking about some of the objective selections and then we're going to analyze the deployment positions um chandler would you like to start us off yeah so this this was the match that we recently submitted uh, to the YouTube channel, and if you haven't checked out the YouTube mm-hmm. channel, for sure go ahead and take a look. We've got some great battle reports, um, but this was uh, the Tsunami Fleet, which is a triple ISD Simon fleet, uh, versus the Diamondback Fleet, which is a TF-1722 focused fleet that's got a lot of small ships, so that we're, we're hopefully Very potent throwing, small ships. Very potent, uh, so that we're hopefully flaunt, uh, throwing a lot of black dice out there. Um, the objectives, um, because I was uh, first player uh, playing the Separatists, and the Triple ISD was the second player. Uh, so the objectives were advanced gunnery, contested outpost, and dangerous territory. And, I chose, and you chose contested outpost. I chose contested outpost because while that has uh, a greater ceiling for the amount of victory points that you can get for the objective. I felt advanced gunnery was just going to completely destroy me. And I valued knowing where your ISDs were going to be over your ISDs just being able to run over any obstacle they want. Heard that. Um, so, in hindsight, do you feel like you made the right choice? Yes. I still feel, really? I still okay. feel like I made the right choice, yeah. Um, especially, I feel like I got so many points. Yeah, but... You know, you got a lot of points, but I think if we were to play that game again with, like, advanced gunnery... Uh, just my... I mean, I wouldn't have chosen that one. <laughs> no, no, like, like if I had chose advanced gunnery, like, because I wouldn't have okay. chosen dangerous territories. Just you being able to, to run your ISDs over obstacles and stuff is, like, not good. Especially just for pre-deployment, because I can't accurately assess the objectives, or not not the objectives, uh, I can't accurately assess the obstacles as, like, mm-hmm. blockers. So I would probably choose Only for you, essentially, and yeah. Just, and just put it on, like, uh, Gazanti or something. Interesting. But even then, okay. it's like, you would still just get a complete fleet wipe, just because you would just be able to to double tap with a Psy Moon. It's like, out of the mm. front arc is ridiculous. So I still think that I made the right call, um, but there there were a lot of positioning plays that I could have improved on. 
and that I will improve on if I were to play this fleet again. It's just, it's hard to put a fleet together, play it for the first time, and then be like, I'm going to play it to maximum efficiency this time, and then you play the game, and you're like, well, several things went wrong with that plan. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, you did mention deployment, so let's talk about deployment a little bit. Uh, you know, definitely from my perspective, like, I... I was fine broadcasting what I was going to do. Like, it's it's a tsunami fleet. They're meant to stay together. They're meant to just go straight at you. Um, you know, they are ISDs. They are Psymoons. They want you in the front arc. We were p uh, playing contested outposts. So definitely very well broadcasted. Yeah, there was no uh, you know, As far as my there. intentions are concerned. Um, how do you feel about your deployment? Okay, so um, looking at our, like, our final deployment positions, there's a couple things that I would have done differently. I would have put both Gazantis um, right up against player edge uh, because mm -hmm. I think I put I put one Gazanti at at the border of three, and I put another Gazanti at two point five, mm -hmm. and I think that's too far forward for what I wanted them to do. And that forward Gazanti ended up messing you up, right? You ended up ramming. Um, I got a lot of points from it. <laughs> Well, the the Gazanti at the very leftmost uh, part of my positioning, because I essentially mm -hmm. I had a, you know, right near the the edge of of the player edge. I had Gazanti kind of in the middle of the deployment zone, a Munificent at forty five, and then hard sell, hard sell Gazanti, all right up next to each other, forward facing in the middle, and then there's a little space, and then there's another hard sell. You know, just kind kind of out on the edge so that it can avoid the debris field. But I was assuming that you know the Gazanches would go forward, they would they would you know get in the in the shit of it. They'd throw all their dice at you and then get away. Mm. But what ended up happening is they went. They were too forward. They were the only ships you could shoot. So obviously, you just shot at them. Mm -hmm. You killed one. And then the other one... It took a while, but yes. It, 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 yeah, it took it took three ISD shots, but it's not like there was anything else to shoot, is my point. And, Precisely. And I, I should have put them at the back of... Uh, as far back as they could go against the player edge. So that, at turn four or five, when your ISDs are trying to turn around, that they're running into the Gazantes after mm. they've already done their shots... They've already shot at the hard targets that they can get to, and then the Gazantes are there, and then throw all of their dice. Because this fleet, uh, essentially the the fun trick of it is the Gazantes out of their side can roll two blue and three black with TF-1726. That really only ever happened once in the whole game. Because of the... Yeah, you definitely didn't get to capitalize on all those points that you spent beefing them and up. And I spent so many points beefing them up. So them not being in the proper position and being able to get that off, like, you know, two or three times at the most is what I was expecting. But but only getting it off one time, having Exante mm -hmm. get picked off without having shot at all is like, that's super terrible as far as i'm concerned just based on like the the deployment positioning of of all my ships and stuff but i definitely agree um yeah there, there's just nothing else to say there you, you hit every nail on the head mm -hmm. uh you know next thing to talk about here was the past tokens definitely how they influenced that outcome i 
felt great. I think that was the best use of pass tokens I've ever had in this game. I think that was the best use of pass tokens I've experienced since the pass token change. Because I, yes. you, you had three ships, I had six ships, so you had three pass tokens. <laughs> and so for that one critical round where I'm trying to delay, you just kept passing and then move one ship and then pass and then move one ship. And it really turned out to, to be where I wasn't able to delay in the way I thought I was able to. And you could just, you know, sit on your hind legs, wait for me to come forward, and then, all right, it's the next round. Now we're going to engage instead of <laughs> when I was trying to delay and get you moved into the, the right position. So that was pretty fucking awful. And I think I should have accounted for how many pass tokens you had, mm -hmm. especially because you have only high value targets and i should have i should have nabbed down to account for that but but it's wild playing with these new pass tokens and the way that they work and then you, you, you play so many games and you're like you'll play against someone you'll have five ships they have four they get one pass token it's irrelevant it's irrelevant it really is it, it doesn't do anything but when you get into like two and three pass tokens, like on that one critical turn where you're trying to delay. Especially can, a second player. Yeah, they can completely screw you. So I really enjoyed that for this match. That was nice. I will say that like the one downside to that is that with Tag, you know, it did delay that engagement. Um, and then his first kind of, uh, I think it was like round four. I uh, had you, set you did round for? three and five. Three and five, yes. Thank you for reminding me. So you totally, uh, yeah, you of totally course, missed his round three activation. Mm -hmm. But but it, it was a it was a good uh, trade off in my opinion. Yeah. So I mean, if, cool, cool. if when tag activates round three and you just can't use him, then it's probably a good thing because he hasn't burnt your defense tokens by then. True. The only rebuttal I have for that is that I did have salvo, right? So. Um, you know me, I like to just burn that salvo up and then get it back and then burn it up again. So, um, yeah, I, I think that would have been nice. But of course, as you said, like, it still means I'm not getting shot at uh, and it did end up benefiting me. So, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, you know, next thing we want to talk about is, you know, this match. Um, it seemed pretty basic from the start, uh, but definitely ended up not being the case. Yeah, and it, it was pretty pretty exciting there in the end where I was able to get that second uh, Star Destroyer. Very climactic. But there, Loved it. There was a point where that might not have happened, and I think it was just because I was able to get that singular shot off on the Gazanti and do, like, fucking six damage to the ISD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember that. But also, there were so many small factors in the game where that ISD that I was trying to kill would have been dead way earlier, and I could have, like, you know, repositioned my ships and gotten away with, like, more points. But there was one, mm -hmm. one point in the game where it just, it, instead of doing, like, a technical shimmy or trying to turn to engage, it just went straight two with a double click at the end to whip away from that uh double art and i think that was pretty significant fair and you know to kind of add on to like you know what we were doing not delivering in the way that we thought my dice rolls were abysmal 
absolutely abysmal. They were abysmal. Um, but but that's what you, know, you especially have to for expect three when, when you have a fleet that's fully focused on red dice and you have no mm-hmm. way to reroll. You've got no intensified firepower. You've got no Vader. Like, red it dice are ass, for sure. <laughs> I don't know, man. I love the double. So. The double is good, but it's... It's a it's fickle to god to pray to. <laughs> uh, it's my favorite. Excellent. Um, you know, uh, moving on then, you know, final outcome and overall thoughts. Um, could you remind me what the uh, the point difference was there? So the point difference, let's see. If you have it handy. I've got it handy. So it was uh, 6-5. You had 362 points at the end. I had 317. Oh, wow. So it ended up being that pretty was very close. close. Um, just because I was able to get that last, uh, well, the, the second ISD. Mm-hmm. And um, I think some of the contested outpost points. Oops. I dropped my water. Oop. Yeah, you broke up a little bit. Um, just at the end, the contested outpost points for like, I think I got it for around five and six really helped pad a lot of the points that I lost and a lot of the ships that you were able to destroy. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely think though, like with the points being that close, uh, you know, I'd have to do the math and I'm not going to do that right now. Uh, just to kind of bring it full circle to picking the one that gave me 20 points per objective win. Um, it, it played a role, mm-hmm. right? So of course, you know, hindsight being 2020, you know, balancing whether the uh, contested outpost or uh, I think it was dangerous territory was really the best one in that situation still at the end of the day like i think you made the right choice but you know at 20 points a pop uh, i was i was raking it in yeah i agree you definitely got a lot of points for the objective i think though if i choose dangerous territory i think you just don't... the entire game would have been different yeah you just don't yeah. deploy that way you don't deploy with all the isds right next to each other Oh, that was going to happen no matter what. Oh, yeah. Right? Tsunami fleet. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, I went in. Like, no matter similar, what happened. But I don't know. It It mm. seems like a completely different game at that point. Um, but it was fun. Uh, it definitely yes. gave me a lot of insight as to um, holding back on some of my heavy hitter ships instead of trying to open with them. And mm-hmm. by heavy hitter ships in this fleet, I'm talking the about the fucking Gazantes. Hey, they were. Yeah, I, I definitely need to save them for like round four instead of trying to open with them on round three. So uh, let's have a quick chat about something, right? Because uh, our fleets were very different. Mm-hmm. Mine was very simple, very streamlined, easy. Um, yours, I, it wasn't super complicated, but it did have a lot of moving parts, uh, you know, as far as adding those dice to the Gazantes, etc. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you feel about these two different philosophies? Of simple versus, you know, convoluted and complicated? Mm-hmm, 100%. Uh, not being a rebel fleet, because there's no way to do a rebel fleet that's not convoluted and complicated. I don't know. I think it's just dependent on what you enjoy flying. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think your triple ISD fleet with a couple tweaks is pretty cool and viable. But, man, I really love... I love playing the card game where where I tap the the upgrades and I increase the value of my ships and I I use that with the command dials and and really either out position or just out damage certain ships uh, for my opponent Mm -hmm. and it's 
I don't know. It, it is really fucking fun for me to build a, a wildly convoluted fleet like a TF-1726 that has double mm -hmm. Gazantes with extra blue dice Many on the dice. sides <laughs> and ordnance experts and shit, you know, and trying to make that work. And I feel like that that one shot where the Gazanti did like six or seven damage was worth it. Worth it. 100%. And I think if I position them better, I can get two or three more shots like that. I totally agree. And the only thing that I'll say about this Diamondback fleet is it's a real departure from what I like to do with fleets, which I really love having heavy squadron-based lists. And this one had no mm -hmm. squadrons at all. But I mean, if you're running a list and you've got four linked Turbolaser Towers, you know... You're pretty safe. I think that's a wise, uh, because a wise saying. When <laughs> when your opponent has a lot, or they've invested a lot into their squadron capabilities, and they see you have no squads, they tend to overextend. And when one hundred percent, when your opponent overextends like that, and they don't think about uh, the value of engagements. And choosing an engagement over another one, mm -hmm. like let's say you're activating a ship, you've got like a double arc or you've got a shot against their ship, but in that same yeah. arc are all of their squadrons, what do you choose? You choose their squadrons where you do a couple damage and not kill any, or do you shoot against the ship? And that, no, and that is always a tough choice. And, and um, that's the personally. Thing. So personally, uh, like when it comes to going against you, typically, you know, you have so many points invested into those squadrons, right? So I, I don't mind shooting at the squadrons and ignoring the ships. Uh, of course, you know, I kind of have to do the math, and I ask myself, how much are all of these squadrons worth that I actually think I can kill? How much is this ship worth that's in my same arc, right? What's going to get me the points? Um, yeah, so I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and and then, you know, when you're playing as someone who doesn't consider that kind of value judgment and they, you know, burst in with their speed four, their speed three squadrons trying to get early damage on you, well, now you can only shoot at their squads. So obviously, you know, all three of my hard cells are just going to target them with LTT and for the uninitiated, they do a billion fucking damage. One billion, exactly. One fucking billion damage. Quote me on that. And then, you know, <laughs> then they have no more squadrons, and they've got a weak fleet compared to your fleet that's fucking wildly better equipped to kill ships. Mm -hmm. But this is my fucking strong opinion on the LTT is I, I don't think it should be a card at all. I think it's two cards very undercosted fused together. And you know, for more information on this discussion, I would recommend watching our previous podcast or listening to our previous I, podcast. I think I think I went pretty hard on LTT in the last one. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It was fucking Anyway. Anyway anyway. Uh yeah, no, uh, that, that, that was a good, a good chat there. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to segment two. Uh, this is going to be AMG Mini Stravaganza. Um, 
so, you know, a lot of things were brought up. Uh, I want to kind of lead with Armada a little bit. Um, how fucking cool is this? Uh, I forget the name for it. I'm going to call it the Ma, right? Just because. Um, I think that's super fucking cool. I think that's super refreshing. And I'm excited to see it and play it. But also, you know, to see, and we're going to touch base on this a little bit, 3D prints and perhaps like physical models to represent some of the new mechanics that we're going to be seeing. Yeah, so you're talking about that organized play kit where the, they've got the, the sh- what, the, what the fuck is it called? The fucking Shumagora. The weird name thing. and. The- yeah, in the middle of the black hole situation, whatever the fuck. No, the Shumagorath is fucking MCU thing. What is that fucking solo... Solo movie monster. Suma Verminoff. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so the Suma Verminoff is that huge fucking tentacle monster that they they mm-hmm. avoid in the, the Kessel Run. Yes, in, a, in Solo. Yeah, in, in Solo. Super cool... I have no idea how it's going to be implemented, but hmm. I mean, I think we're going to be pulling mechanics from what is it, the, the doomed station kind of situation. Yeah, maybe something like that. I think that's going to be like the lower end of kind of what I'm expecting, mm-hmm. and then on the higher end of what I'm expecting is going to be something very similar to the Battle of Yavinpak, um, where it's like a, a really played out scene. Um, hopefully a bit more than just the standard objective. Yeah, maybe where we all deploy like center field and we're all trying to fucking escape the big yeah, ass monster. Like blow each other up and fucking yes. That could be cool. That would be a highlight, I believe. And uh if anyone's listening that has the sway in these things, please do that. <laughs> yeah, but this thing just keeps getting delayed cuz it was supposed to come out in like June. And so, oh, was it? I had no idea. Yeah. So I'm wondering like what the hold up is. It doesn't seem very complicated. Uh, well, well, Karnak is working on it, or has worked on it. He was one of the developers on it, so I'm pretty sure it's going to be pretty complicated. Really? Yeah. All right. But but my whole thing with this is I'm kind of curious as to why it's an organized play kit and not like some kind of side expansion. Why organized so- play? You saying that it was organized play, to me, was actually news. I did not pick that up from any of the information that I watched. I thought it was going to be, um, I don't know, something similar to the the rapid reinforcements. Just and, very offhand. And that might be something that I am just extrapolating from previous... Injecting in there? Yeah. From, from like FFG, where they say organized play, they mean you know, tournament kits that they supply to stores that they then give out to the people who come. But a a lot of what AMG has shown is that when they say organized play, they mean an online document that they submit that people can access to play a game. An organized game. An organized game in a certain format. Yes. So this might That's not even in be line with what a printed I'm or, or a released product. This might be just something that they submit and be like, oh, here you go, play with it. Print, print this paper okay. out, cut it out, you've got the Summa Verminoff, and then that's it. Uh, I hope it's better than that. But we have 3D printing to solve any problems. So. Yeah. 
Um, anyways, uh, there's really just not much else to talk about because we don't have any more information on this topic. Yeah, on, on the on the Suma Verminoth thing. Yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I'm really pushing back with this with the way that Atomic Mass Games chooses to promote their products, which is essentially mm-hmm. they don't. They just don't. They don't promote their products. It's just that it comes up. It is just something that occurs mm-hmm. instead of something that they build to and then therefore is released and people know that it's coming out and they're anticipating. There's no anticipation for Atomic Mass Games. It's just like they say that nothing is happening, there's nothing going on, and then Rapid Reinforcements is released. And honestly, let's talk about that for a second, right? Because any time that I've ever learned any of this information, it hasn't been from like um you know if amg officially it's always been like oh my god hey luke did you hear about this thing that they were talking about like a week ago um and that that's it that's all that i ever get and so i have to go out of my way to specifically search for it and sometimes it's not even easy to find in like an amg website or anything like that um so it's definitely as you said it's not very well promoted um and honestly i'm i'm it makes me think it's not very well planned yeah, I just think that they they don't have good, you know, like a good promotional mindset for any of their products. Like, like when something as significant, at least in my mind, as something as like uh, rapid reinforcements comes out, mm-hmm. when you're altering the game with this free product, you've got multiple different you know cards that affect the game. The concept of cross faction. When when I when I talk to people and they're like, "Yeah, I had no idea that this was even being in the in the works. I had no idea yeah, that was me that this was coming." It, it makes me think that they just fucking found it in the bathroom or something. It was like, "This is good. Let's put this out." You know, it's <laughs> like, "Where did this come from? Come where, where are the play testers? Where's the anticipation? Where's the hey?" Now we're working on something. In about a month, you'll see it. It's not going to be any like physical product. It's going to be just a a side enhancement pack. Here's one of the cards, just to give you a little teaser, a little teaser taste. You know, it's none that of that. It's great. just suddenly rapid reinforcements to the point where none of the people who make content around this game, where it's like their fucking second job to follow this game. <laughs> None of them even had anything ready. None of them knew that anything was fucking going on. They just drop it. I had no idea. Shit. Yeah, that's uh, that's something, dude. And, like nobody had any idea that rapid reinforcement was coming. And, like I'm glad it came. I think it's great. And it was fantastic, and it's great. Everyone loves it. Yeah, uh, a lot of the opinions I, I've uh, of people I've talked to have have really loved rapid reinforcements, which is great. I like that, but like, what the fuck is going on with this organized play kit? Is what I'm saying. It's like you didn't really know it was organized play kit, and mm-hmm. at this point, I don't even know if it's an organized play kit. Yeah, we have to go out of our way to kind of figure that out. Really dig it out of like, I don't know, at two minute section of like a two hour video. And also, like, this was like a brief scene in one of the movies. 
how are, what what is gonna be the fucking objective with this big ass monster? Do you need to, to kill it? Out. You need to it's gotta be to get it? out. Like I don't know. But I want to know. I, gonna... I want to know something about it. Is my point. I want to know anything about it. I'm curious. Let the fucking tell me. So you know uh, something I kind of just came to my mind here as we're talking about this. Um, you know, you mentioned like they're free, right? Mm-hmm. H- how do we feel about that? So I love that they're free. Like that's great. Well, when you say why... they are free, what are you talking about? Uh, rapid reinforcements was free. Yeah. Yeah, you just you can print the things and you're good. Um, but I would love to pay them my money to have physical copies that are nicely printed. Um, looks like all the other stuff with good artwork, or I mean, it does have good artwork, but printed well is what I'm saying. Uh, why aren't they not making money? Oh, it's a licensing agreement. Yeah, is it for, really for certain product? They have to release a physical ship for certain products. Mm-hmm. So rapid reinforcements is like. You know, there's there's nothing to sell, so my assumption the is cards. that they don't have to be abiding by that particular rule. Sell me the cards. I mean, I guess you're right, but I mean, shit, they, literally, like got, a card pack would be great. Around it with some of the X-wing stuff, but I remember that this was a huge problem three, four years ago when people were crying out for card packs for X-wing and. Pretty much the response was, we are under, like, contract or blood oath where if we release a product, it has to have a ship, like a physical plastic ship that goes with it, and we can't do anything else. So I'm I'm sure that they are restricted by some weird corporate rule or licensing where if they're selling something... It's got to have something physical that goes with it. It can't just be paper. They can't just. What company paper. makes that stupid Star Wars card game? Well, how many? There's all so many stupid Star Wars card games. You're gonna have to be more specific. Um, it was a living card game. It's not super popular, but it probably was. The the TCG. Um, I think I think, so. I think it's just called yeah. Star Wars TCGs. Uh, yeah, it, it was super basic, if I remember correctly. Yeah. You know, I, um, is that still healthy? Does that still exist? No, man, I don't know. Probably not. Because it might have something to do, like, if, you know, maybe they, if Asmodee, for instance, like, makes that, they don't want to release something that's just a card pack to compete with that. I know it doesn't, right? But from, like, a corporate perspective, it might if they're not including a plastic miniature as well. I mean, that that so, honestly might be a pretty reasonable assumption. Yeah. If I had to just extrapolate, you know, maybe what's going on, because I, I have to try to explain this nonsense to myself, right? I have to try to find something that makes sense for it. Yeah. The, um, sometimes when you get like corporate replies, it just sounds like fucking nonsense babble. Mm-hmm. And then and then you're just like, you just got to be like, oh, there's some corporate overlord that's saying, do this, do it. No this plastic, way, no sale. Fired. And then it's like, well, fuck. You know, I just want to know what's going on with the fucking organized play kit with the big tentacle monster, man. Like, just, just tell me, show me, show me a piece of cardboard know, that. Ha- how big is it? Show me. <laughs> I want to see. I want to get excited about it. That, well, you're uh, gonna dude, be excited remember, about it. When I remember they say, Here all it of is. these fucking like fantasy flight um, articles where they're just like, here's two cards and a picture of the ship. 
so like so you can picture yourself owning that ship you know you get hype you get, you get real with, hype you get really fucking hype with a minimal you build lists but like not having any information is fucking infuriating 100 percent. i totally agree um, any other comments before we move on to the next topic of mini stravaganza? Because we have a, a fair bit to go through. Um, no, I think that's just it. And if anybody with AMG is listening, how the fuck does the tentacle monster work? Does it work how I think Please it's going to work? No. Oh, okay. So here's my question. Mm-hmm. Is the tentacle monster one piece of cardboard? Or multiple <gasps> pieces of cardboard. It's going to be multiple pieces of cardboard that move like the exo. I mean, not like the exogorths, but move. Because I would really like kinda it to like be that. multiple pieces of cardboard. That would be fucking fun. Oh, that would be slick. Like kind of, yeah, because you can have like the tentacle. Like you know how they have like the desk sea monsters where it looks like it's like going into the desk. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, something like that would be fan fucking tastic. Yeah, so it could take up a, like a huge area of the board. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Let's, oh, let's move really on. Let's move cool. on to the next topic because we're babbling about fucking tentacles and shit. Yes, uh, let's move on to a game that I would love to play if someone just handed me a box. Which you know, there's going to be boxes now, right? So we have Legion, uh, and we have their Battle Force packs. Um, I, you know, I kind of see like a, a note here. You know, our personal notes, how they could be implemented in Armada. Are we talking specifically about? The packs, specifically like having a pack of ships, specifically the battle forces pack um, that they're showing in Legion, where it's like you know Blizzard Force, it's um, the yeah, five like the five first, you know those yeah. battle force packs where they've got similar models, probably likely the same models. I'm not, I'm not too well versed on like the, the positioning of all the fucking Legion models and stuff to determine if they're different or not. But you've got the same models in the pack, and they come with different cards based on the theme of the pack. I love this. This is something that I feel like could easily be implemented into Armada and be really interesting. And I think there's several different ways that they can do it that improve the game or could improve the game or just make things different and interesting and, and kind of unique. So when you envision this in your mind, does this include plastic? Oh yeah, it's got to include plastic for sure. Excellent. It's it's got to be a way for someone who's trying to get into the game to get a little bit of a boost. And I'm not talking about like an edge or anything. I'm talking about when you buy like the Republic starter kit and you get those mm-hmm. three ships, you get a medium, two smalls, like that's a boost. Yes, I think that was the best thing they could have done. Like, for if if you have two people, one of them buys the original Armada core set, and the other buys one of the Clone Wars core sets, one of those players is ahead of the other. Significantly. Just based on the kinds of ships that they have. 100, I so, totally agree So with I this. think that if they are developing, and this is just one of the things that I'm trying to keep an eye out on, for Atomic Mass Games, is just what is the way that this company is choosing to develop their products? And what I've seen, other than just their individual Marvel Crisis Protocol fucking games, which 
kind of annoys me just watching the development rate of that fucking game. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm watching like all these Star Wars games drown at the bottom of a pool like a redheaded stepchild. And then like yes. last week they released, did you, did you see this? They released a bear for Marvel Crisis Protocol. A bear? It's just a fucking bear, dude. They're like, here's here's our next fucking Marvel Crisis Protocol character. It's called fucking Ursa something 12. It's some comic book character that, that happens to be a bear. <laughs> but it's like they're just scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to get the last of the dregs out. And it's so strange. Okay, so they have so much for this game. And I've heard people talk about playing it. And, you know, I have a uh, an acquaintance at work um, that has mentioned it to me in the past. And I think I may have played this game once. But I don't think I've ever, aside from that, ever seen anyone actually play this game. Yeah, I don't know. I, so I kind of wonder, it. like, what is its popularity? Like, <laughs> it's very strange to me. I would say that a lot of their popularity is with the quality of their models which is incredible like i think it's okay well let me put it in perspective atomic mass games before they took the uh before they received the star wars uh games the the big three the Mm -hmm. x-wing the armada the legion the only game they've ever pr- produced is Marvel Crisis Protocol. Okay. And so for that to be your first game and to, to produce models of, like, that quality, which, to be fair, is pretty fucking incredible. You know, I, I think that's, that's not something to shake a stick at. I think it's pretty impressive for that to be their first game and to, and to open up with cool, highly detailed miniatures like that. So I had no idea that it was their first game. You know, that kind of gives them a little bit of a boost there. Mm, I, I don't know. I'm kind of used to, like, the Warhammer kind of quality there and the paint level. I get granted, of course, you know, it's painted after the fact of, uh, uh, of Warhammer miniatures. So I don't know. I guess, like, if I compare it through that lens, it's kind of not that great. But again, looking at it from your perspective, I can see where you're coming from yeah and and to and for that point to just develop a miniatures games that is effectively not warhammer yeah where you're selling plastic that can be painted and it you know have a decent game underneath it that's not warhammer that's pretty good um but anyway you fucking distracted me they released a fucking bear is my point as one of the expansions a bear, really? I mean, someone... A, a room of people thought this was a good idea, Chandler. We can't argue with that. Who was in that room, man? <laughs> Who was in that fucking room? Anyway, so so my, my idea... Not my idea. What I've seen from Atomic Mass Games, where they've presented these Legion Battle Forces, where they've got, you know, existing plastic set up in a nice, comfortable package with new cards, new, um, I don't, I don't know what they're called. The fucking, they're like command cards that make your, your fucking units do something different. 
They, they've got yeah. they've got fucking upgrade cards that are new in this in this nice buyable package. Now, when I see that, I'm like, all right, how can they do that but Armada? And one of the things I'm thinking of, go ahead, is they could obviously do fucking battle packs. You know, like you know, you just put a commander's name on it, and you say it's fucking Dodonna's third or fourth fleet or whatever. You you put a couple rebel ships in there, add some new cards. Easy, you know. Very easy. Um, I think in a perfect world we would have something like that. And then a slight repaint. Kind of something like, you know, the Chimera has its kind of, you know, specific paint job. Yeah. Um, I Again, this is kind of like definitely reaching, like this is like, I think the highest level for a battle pack that doesn't exist. But how cool would that be? Because not only, you know, would you have new players wanting to purchase this because it's a really good entry into the game. Um, but, you know, on top of that, you can have veteran players like us that's like, oh, that ship is different visually. Uh, not only with just some cards, you know, I want to add that in. Um, it, it's definitely, I think, a, a really interesting opportunity, and I hope they take it. Yeah, I'm a sucker for repaints, but like, definitely a, another avenue I could see them doing, like if they don't just want to do specific battle forces, because there there starts becoming this problem when, let's say, they release like, you know, this is the Escape from Hoth battle force, you know. You're doing Escape from Hoth, you want to have Han Solo, you want to have Luke in there, you know? Maybe Leia even. Mm -hmm. But you've already got those cards. So now do you move them around? Do you make Han the commander? Or do you make Luke the commander? Or or is Luke going to be a squadron because he was in a squadron when they were escaping from Hoth? But now you've got two Lukes, so how do you figure that shit out? I mean, you have more than one Darth Vader. You got more than one Darth Vader. You got more than one got of, the, three. of the titles. You want to do a titled ISD, but you've already got uh, an ISD with the same title. So one thing I think they do is what I think they're, they've been doing for, for X-Wing with the Battle of Yavin, where you've got mm-hmm. subtitles, where you've got, you know, this is Luke, he's Red 5, or this is Luke, the Last Jedi kind of thing. You have alternate versions of existing character cards or unique cards, which is cool. They're already kind of doing that with Vader, because Vader's got fucking... He exists in every upgrade slot available to the fucking game, sometimes multiple. That's what comes to mind. And so I was thinking, I was like, eh, I mean, they're already doing that. How do you make that more flavorful? How do you make that more unique and make it easier to, to like, balance? Because after a while, you start tracking so many fucking cards, it becomes a fucking hassle. So I'm mm. thinking you, you create one of these battle forces, but instead of just giving out all these cards, you kind of, like, arrow lock it. Where, let's say you, you bought the Rebel Escape from Hoth pack. And now, to use any of the upgrades, you got to take, not like a commander, but like a fleet-wide upgrade that says, hey, this is the Escape from Hoth fleet. Or this is, you know, whatever name you want to fucking put on it. Spend five points on it. 
And so it says, are any unique squadron, any unique title, any unique officer has to be drawn from the Hoth scenario battle force pack. You can't use the normal Luke that ignores shields. You can't use Leia commander. You have to use the Leia crew or, or support officer that comes with Hoth. That way, any of the other general upgrades you can use, but any of the unique squadrons or cards have to be drawn from the Hoth pool. So I'm trying to kind of uh, think of it like an equivalent here on something that we kind of have that's already close. And what comes to mind is the 7th Fleet Star Destroyer card, right? Because that kind of, to me, came out of left field as far as like uh, the locking it to a Star Destroyer. It could be very like a very similar symbol that they have on the card of, for the era. And I think that'll be a really easy way to achieve what you're saying here. And it wouldn't be that difficult. So I think it's definitely like doable because at first i thought this would be too complicated right mm -hmm. like there's a whole nother thing that you have to have on the car but i mean really no it just kind of has to be in a similar way to like the, the seventh fleet star destroyer card they already have like a, a concept for that so yeah you just you just put a I card it's and possible. then you put a little line under it that says you know escape from hoth upgrade cards only, only. and then that's it yeah and then you that have a whole different fantastic. like field of you have a whole different design space to explore because you have this locked in area that you can put upgrade cards in and you don't have to worry about all like the fucking seven years worth of unique squadrons. You only have to worry about balancing within that small space and then, you know, the non-unique upgrade cards. I think you're onto something. Yeah. But it's just something that I thought would be interesting, and obviously there are so many fucking wars, scenarios, and kinds of, of fleets that you can design for. It's essentially limitless. But that was one, one thing that I was thinking about. And this is just things that I have thought about from watching their mini-stravaganza. Just of the, the products that they're submitting, the mm -hmm. kinds of things they're moving towards. It's definitely feasible. It's definitely feasible. Yeah, no, definitely very interesting. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the next topic. Uh, let's see. Well, we were talking about Legion. We were talking about battle packs. Um, they're super cool. So the next thing is going to be X-Wing. Uh, specifically the Battle of Yavin. We kind of touched on that slightly through here. Um, I think this is fantastic. If I'm not mistaken, you know, this is something that uh, a lot of people have been homebrewing, right? Yeah. So it's really exciting to see uh, some official rules for that. Um, you know, I kind of like uh, heard, didn't read uh, specifically, you know, the sort of actions and hoops you have to jump through to get in and in the trench, uh, out of the trench, you know, actually shoot that you have to have a proton torpedo, right? Like that's something that has to exist. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's really fantastic. Uh, I didn't quite catch. Was this what scale? Was this at epic scale or regular scale for X-wing? See, this is one of the, this is another point of the poor, <laughs> poor marketing, poor promotioning, because they on their own 
channel, their own YouTube channel, they played a full game of this mm-hmm. with all the pieces. Oh, okay. And I didn't even know about it until like last week. I did not know about it until you brought it up right now. Exactly. <laughs> like they played a full fucking game of it. Huh. And so okay. it, it's just... At this point, it's fucking annoying to just be constantly left in the dark unless I troll their fucking, like, YouTube channel or Twitter, for God's sakes, which is just one of the most abysmal sites on the planet. Yes. Just to know what the fuck is in the pack. And when they did release an official statement about, oh, Battle of Yavin's coming out. There's there's no indication as to what's inside it other than a bunch of fucking cards and some cardboard. Which, spoiler alert, that's all that's in there. Yeah, I accept. But this was We have a printer. This was one of the packs that really got me on that on that train of, hey, you can have a kind of separate engagement force where you only have Battle of Yavin ships in there. You've only got, hmm. you know, Luke Battle of Yavin. You've only got Vader Battle of Yavin. You can't use them outside of this. It's only for that. I think it lends itself a little easier to X-Wing, though, right? Because they have, like, it's already kind of built into the game to have those pre-made um, ships, right? Mm, I kind of disagree with you because it's not. How so? It's not built into the game to have pre-made ships like that. Yeah, what you, I, you're joking, right? Because I have, um, you know, for my first first order stuff, it has uh, like there's this card. He's at this power level, and he has this upgrades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for first order. That's when they oh, started that, doing so, that. When they oh, started releasing. So I only of... have first order. I assume this was universe. No, 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 no. My my X wing. I have I have the same thing for it's a Jack Porkins specific card. I can pull it out of my closet right now. Pull it out of your closet. All right, I have the card binder. Okay. So let's show me what you're see talking about. See what we got. I will verbally tell you what I'm talking about. T sixty five X wing Luke Skywalker with instinctive aim, R two D two proton torpedoes and servo motor S foils. He is a l- power level three. Yeah. So that's one of those pre made ready to go cards yes. that they've been exactly. developing. So, okay. Yeah. So. What I'm saying is we take this, and then you just make it Luke Skywalker, Battle of Yavin. And then he's got what he's got there. And yeah, so I'm just saying, it, it lends itself very easy to doing that with X-Wing specifically. No, but, but my point is that that's not how the cards have always been. I have no knowledge of what came, because this came in my core set, right? So Yeah, so that that's not how the the game had been developed to be. This was something they built towards, made a card that had those things on it. Which is great. And then started sending it. And I'm saying, it's not that difficult to do for Armada as well. You just do the yeah. same thing. Well, I you think just, that's a good you template You make a longer it. card, or uh, you, know, you cut out some of the art, and you, you put specific upgrade cards on it. But that's neither here nor there. But yes, the, the point is, They've done this before, and it's it's pretty easy to do again. Yes, that sounds fantastic. So, very good. Cool. I knew I wasn't crazy. But uh, the fucking Battle of Yavin, it's... I, I don't like how they just made it a 3x3 three three scenario. 
with just a fucking small cardboard trench on it. It has to be bigger. It's got to be bigger. Weird. It's got to be a fucking epic scale kind of thing. Like, uh, yeah, because that's three by six, I think, on epic scale, right? Yeah, it's three by six. But yeah. I don't know. I guess you think about it, and you're trying to get new people to play. You get a six by three. Well, then you need the wing tools. If you're playing, listen. An epic if you're scale. playing Battle of Yavin, you're not playing it to get someone to play the game. <laughs> that's not how you start. I mean, so I, I, I don't know. I, I, like I kind of disagree because it's like, hey, you remember the Death Star Trench? This is that. You want to play that? And it's like. Sure, I want to play it, but I've never played before. And uh, but I want to play the Death Star Trench Run, obviously. So does that sound fun? Yes. Do I think that's a good way to get someone into this game? No, absolutely. Yeah, not. yeah, probably not. They're like super complicated type of game, but but I don't know. Yeah, I would want it to be an epic scale game, but I can kind of see why they don't have it that way because then you start bringing out the wing tools, and then it's like. You start playing for position a lot, and you've got so much space, and then the game is taking forever to finish. Yes, that is a fact. So I can see why they do three by three, but it's like, couldn't couldn't you do something? Couldn't you make it like a like a secondary rule set where it's like, we know that you want to go pretty hard into the Death Star trench. Why don't you just make it six by three, and then go fucking all out? You know, it's like, ah, eh, I don't know. Well, we'll see what they do, right? Because we also don't have all the information. You know, maybe there is a way to... There is an epic scale version. Because they know epic scale exists. Uh, I don't know if they do. <laughs> but anyway, let's go on to the next AMG mini extravaganza topic. Um, Let's see if we have anything here. Rapid reinforcements discussion via a painting stream. Yeah. So yeah. So this was okay. one of the things. Fill me in about this one a little bit. This was one of the things when we were all watching the mini stravaganza. There was only one section allocated to Armada, and it was a painting stream. So mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. they get some guy that works there. He comes out. He gets a couple ships, and paints on stream, which AMG has been known to do before and stuff, but like why now why during this like announcement event where they like you know reveal all this product they do all of these panel streams and, and talk about these games like why why the fuck are you spending three four hours painting a, a model and at the same time giving core information and that's another thing that's super fucking annoying is is they just parse all of their super important information just in offhanded remarks while they're doing something else. So you never know when to watch or when to pay attention to what the fuck they're saying. But anyway, so the only... Maybe it's by design, so you just watch all their shit and get all the views. I, I doubt that it's that sinister, but... <laughs> so the only part of Mini Stravaganza that was allocated to Armada was a painting stream. Which mm -hmm. is weird because now you're starting this event already having annoyed anybody who's ever liked the game of Armada. Because now they're like, well, why, why are you just painting? Why don't you talk about this fucking game that we like 
and tell us where it's at. Because we know you're not going to want to say anything on the painting stream even before it starts. And that was pretty much uh, the mood of the painting stream, was just a bunch of people getting fucking annoyed about the lack of communication. Yeah, it was, honestly, the whole thing was hard for me to watch. Um, I don't know. The repaint was good. Like, did you watch the painting aspect of it, I by was the way? There. I, know you're probably I, was, just I was one of the people who was being a fucking asshole about it. Oh, okay, okay. Well, okay. So I didn't watch this To be fair, it was... It was me being a fucking asshole to the fucking whiners who are like, is the game dead? Why aren't you doing any new product? This this and that, you know, just boo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo about, about everything. And I'm like, this was literally like two or so weeks after Rapid Reinforcements came out. Mm-hmm. So there was just this weird disconnect where people just weren't, associating rapid reinforcements with any kind of production on the game. Mm -hmm. Which I feel rapid reinforcements indicates a significant amount of investment on an already fucking overwhelmed and flooded company that went from having to develop one game to having to develop four at the same time. I think that the fact that uh, rapid reinforcements is received so well indicates that they spent time on it because had this been like a total shit thing right where it totally fucked the game up you know from like a balancing perspective yeah um you know i would say no they just kind of shit this out just for shits and giggles but no this they they did spend time and it fits well um you know into the scene of armada i think a lot of the problem is that maybe a lot of people didn't even fucking know that rapid reinforcements was out because they just dropped it until you told me well I don't even know where you could go to find out that Rapid Reinforcements is a thing without a specific link. Because you can't, like, find it on their website. I didn't know it was a thing until I went onto the Facebook page where some guy posted a link to it. So if you're not really tracking, if you don't have your finger on the pulse of what's going on with Armada... There might still be people who play the game casually who don't know that it's a thing at all. <laughs> when are we going to get cross faction? <laughs> exactly. They're they're just sitting there Jones in. They're on Kuwait drive yards trying to print out their their Venator cards for the Empire when they didn't even know that it's been released. Officially. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, th- I, I wish I had something like positive to say in the matter, but I just don't. It, it's a very frustrating situation. Um, I just try to hope for the best. Yeah, and we, we definitely have more to talk about. Um, maybe not specifically AMG-wise, but they are related to it. With um, I don't know if you've gotten the chance to play, but their like, um, event rules releases where they kind of alter the way the game is played with these certain scenarios that have different objectives contained within them and they have a, a bunch of shit that goes along with it. But but yeah, we'll we'll be reviewing those and, and talking about those in future episodes. Excellent. I'm looking forward to doing the research on it. Yeah. All right. Do you want uh, to go to our final segment now? Yeah, uh, it's actually not our final segment. What? It isn't? Oh, we we still have to talk about cults. Okay, right. Yes, if if we've got time. Yes, but, but segment three, let's uh, say. Yeah, so we're moving on to the third segment. Um, we have a list review. 
Uh, lists are reviewed based on the following criteria. Oh, actually, Chandler, I don't even know how to present this. How do we want to talk about the list review? We have a list review uh, that we're going to do. Yes. Um, as far as how we choose them, it is based on their creativity. It's based on their presentation. We also factor in the texture, the smell, and the taste. Yes. Um. So, so here's, here's, here's where I kind of explain myself a little bit. So when I started doing list reviews on the podcast, I was like, you know, when you're judging something, what kinds of things do you want to target? And so I Googled, like, judging um, review criteria. And the only thing I could find was for, for cake competitions. Yeah, this is so definitely just, like Master Chef. I just, like. I just copied it and pasted it and put it up here. And, and now I'm reading it. Well, and Deej read it several times and never fucking questioned it at all. He just said it and then moved on and was like, Okay, because I, I put all kinds of jokes in the notes all the time, and he'll either skip over them or or read them, but this was just one of those things that continually was unaddressed. But it, it is it is a review criteria for cakes. Excellent. So let's, let's uh, break this cake down. <laughs> uh, we have <laughs> uh, uh, list name, Reality Matrix. Its faction is Separatist. For our commander, we have General Grievous. Uh, we're going to go through the objective cards. For assault is most wanted. It's a good one. Defense, abandoned mining facility. Navigation will be doomed station. I like that. Uh, we're going to have a Providence Dreadnought. He's going to have General Grievous on this particular ship. So it is the flagship. Rune Hako. Ordinance experts. Reserve hangar deck. External racks. Point defense ion cannons, linked turbo laser towers, your favorite, my favorite, XI-7 turbo lasers. Its title is Invincible, and it also has uh, ooh, electronic countermeasures, totaling at 169 points. It's going to be supported with a Munificent Star Frigate, featuring Watt Tambor, medical teams, thermal shields, Point defense ion cannons. Again, linked turbo laser towers. The title card, I believe, Tide of Progress 12? Yep. Uh, that is the title card, yeah, right? Top 12. Okay, cool. Um, we're, okay, total for this ship is 97 points. Moving on, we have two Gazanti cruisers, both of them featuring high capacity ion turbines, both being 35 points. We do also have 64 points of squadrons. Um, it's going to be eight basic vulture droid fighter squadrons, totaling at 400 points. Uh, this is a lot. Um, you know, this is it, a little is bit a outside lot. of, yeah, it's it's a little bit outside of my realm. I like my uh, fleets to be very streamlined. Um, I think they did a good job with the Gazantes. Um, I think, you know, if I had to talk about some negatives first, um medical teams i think i would have rather removed that one and had 399 points instead of the 400 points mm -hmm. you know in case you're going against the opponent and then it ends up being decided with something like a toy uh, coin toss i think that's just not not ideal all right let's see uh xi7s i think that's fantastic 
looks like it's definitely like a medium kind of wanting to get in close-ish kind of uh, fleet here. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out like w- what the main mechanic is that they're trying to capitalize well, on. Well, I can tell insight? you because uh, please do it. I'll I'll let you know that this is a fleet that I designed. Oh, okay. So I'll shit on it super hard. Got it. No, <laughs> don't, don't shit on it just because I made it. Um, tell me. So. This was one of my favorite fleets that I've flown for the Separatists so far. Um, prior to rapid reinforcements, where the Gazantes would just be a hard cell transport. Uh, since rapid reinforcements came out, I replaced the hard cell transport with two high capacity ion turbine Gazantes, um, mm-hmm. which I feel will give me that additional activation padding that I need for this fleet to be unbelievably amazing. Uh, because this fleet is designed to not die at all, ever. Okay. It is unkillable. Okay. You might be able to get a Gazanti. Some vultures will obviously die because my commander is General Grievous. Uh, so the way that this fleet works is Munificent Star Frigate is the blocker, where let's say you've got a big ship or you've got you know a lot of small ships. The Munificent will get in the way. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's an ISD. It'll go right in front of a Starhawk if it wants to. You can't kill it. It it will actually be unkillable. Because I'll be spamming Wat Tambor, Engineering. Uh, you'll shoot at it with your full salvo, it's fine. Thermal shields. So you'll now you're shooting at half. If I've got a good position, you've got one arc on me. If you've got double arc, that's fine. I'll just burn my brace. I'll, I'll use I'll burn my brace on round two. I don't care. And then in the squadron phase, I'll throw off two vultures or one vulture. Get my brace back. I'll throw off two. I'll get brace redirect back. Don't care. And then the following round, you've got to deal with brace redirect, full fresh munificent again, while the Providence dreadnought is coming up on you. So I want to point something out here, right? Like another bonus to this is even if I do kill this ship, right? Let's say that I do. It's only 97 points. Yeah. Like that's that's nothing. And I mean, Literally it's, it's meant to get close. So you, let's say you, you've got an ISD Kuat. I've got, I've got PDICs. So reroll that, that hit crit. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Even if you do get away with having black dice in your pool at all, because I'm going to be thermal shieldings every shot. And one of my favorite things with Munificent Star Frigate is it's got Brace Redirect Salvo. It notably doesn't have a contain because that would be completely obscene and busted, if I'm correct on that, which I think I am. Mm-hmm. Which means that if it had something better than a contain, it would be absolutely the most broken ship in the game, which is what this Munificent Star Frigate does. Because it's got top 12 and medical teams. Yeah. Okay, so explain medical teams and then top 12, because I think I might be missing the correlation here. Okay. So we've got top 12. Top 12 says, before you're dealt a face-up damage card with the ship trait, you can exhaust this card to discard that damage card without resolving its effect. Right? Okay. So that's all yeah. crits with the ship trait. Medical team is one point. And it says, before your Delta face-up card, with the crew trait, you may discard this card to discard that damage card. 
I'm familiar. So all of the crits in the game are either ship or crew. Mm -hmm. So now, because I don't have a contain, You're just throwing away the card. I can just discard any of either of those. So let's say I get Delta Crew uh, crit card. Well, I'll just discard Medical Team and get rid of that. If it's a ship, Tide of Progress, and then I can untap it the next round. And do it again. And do it again. So I'm essentially not just immune to being uh, dealt face-up cards. I can actually discard them. And in some cases, more than one time. It's a little busted, Chandler. It is a little busted. <laughs> and then after that, like if you're trying to get a juicy crit to drain my shields or to do additional damage, well, you can't do that. And now when I activate, I'm going to use Wat Tambor and I'm just going to recover any kind of damage you've done. Oof. So what's the play here, right? The play like, is to put the Munificent in front of whatever ship you're trying to play with. No, against you. Oh, against oh, you. Against you. Oh, oh, against, yeah, against like, this what's one? What's the play? Yeah, like the best I can think to do... I don't know, man. Because if, <laughs> Maybe if you just say the play is squadrons, I've got PDICs it's not enough on both of the ships. Yeah. So if you're trying to go hard bombers... Well, now you can't, because if you get the hit crit, I'll make you reroll it. And not only that, I've got eight vultures on the field that can be pushed by the Gazantes. All right, all right. So you're telling me the things I can't do. Tell me the things I can do. I don't know. There's got to be, I mean... I'm, I'm kind I... of, this, is, this is kind of the thing where I pass it to you, and, and when you look at this fleet, how do you build a list specifically against this one? Because I've played this fleet... A couple times on the channel and it's very very strong hmm all right so first things first i'm going to request that on our next battle report you play this fleet really um mm -hmm. i would i would kind of I want avoid to playing, playing this one because I, I try not to go super try hard um and i try to go more <laughs> like unique list designs and exploring kind of those alternate options and this is one of those fleets where i was like if I were to make the most try-hard bear separatist fleet, what would I design? And this is it. Okay. Because remember, like, when I play General Grievous, those vultures are flying off the board. I know. I know. They're not, they're not squadrons. They're defense tokens, essentially. But, yeah, I can play this next time if, when we do a fucking, the next episode. That's, that's fine. I'm totally on board with that. But how, yeah, like, no, I mean, what would you do against this fleet? Because this is... I have two thoughts. And these are the only two thoughts I've been able to think of so far. Um, you know, the first one, which is my weakest one, is going to be somehow, some way, just complete overwhelming firepower. I don't think it's going to get me very far, though. Because um, I'm still going to be eating it at the same time, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so it, it, it's really tough. Um, does the Munificent... It does not have a Salvo, if I'm correct, right? Munificent has Salvo, yeah. It's got Salvo it's, 2 okay, reds. Okay, well then fuck. It's fucking shit. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, I, against, I think against the multiple bit. small units type thing, I can just discard my Salvo for, for two Salvos. And get it right back. And then I'll chuck two Vultures off. Or one Vulture, get a Salvo back. Another Vulture, get another Salvo back. I mean, look, like... I played a game with this match, and I was able to thermal shields, like, fucking four or five times in a round. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Against every shot, I could thermal shields. 
because it doesn't matter which ship is activating or when it's activating. All of my ships have, you know, after round one, they all have a squadron token. So if you target my Munificent with two different ships, I'll Thermal Shields both of them, then activate a different ship, throw a Vulture off the board, the Brace is back, you target it with a different ship, I'll Thermal Shields that shot, activate another ship, get my Brace back for the Munificent, and I'll just keep throwing Vultures off until there's nothing that can be done, there's no resistance anymore. It's tough, which brings me to my second point. Uh, and this is the strongest one that I think it is. And I think uh, it's going to be playing into the weakness of this fleet, being at 400 points. Um, and it's going to be playing the objective. Yeah. Um, I think that that... That's one point that okay. I think that this fleet is weak against. Like, if you just bid me one point, if you, if you just have 399, then you're like, I'm second player. Then I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Because a lot of this ship or a lot of this fleet design is letting the opponent be like, oh, I'll easily pick first player. And then I'm like, I've got all of these amazing uh, positional-based objectives. Yeah, and everything that I've been considering is, isn't is even with the you getting the bonus, like the, the bonus of having the objective on your side. Um, I, I can't allow myself to factor that in because there's already so many other problems to deal with in the first place. Just the fleet existing um, oh and speaking of yeah, positioning so and positioning objectives okay um so yeah so speaking about you know positioning and positioning objectives that is actually one of the major limitations of this fleet because a lot of my strategy and planning is based on throwing vultures off the board to fuel general grievous to get my thermal shields uh, brace tokens back uh it means that at any point in time all of my ships need to be at least within distance 5 of any board edge. Mm. So the center of the field is completely off limits for all of my ships. Ooh, that is a big weakness. It is a big weakness. So let's say, just picture the setup area in your mind. I am. Where, you know, wherever all the obstacles are placed, none of my ships can ever go there for, for my strategy to work out as consistently as I would like it to work. Because then, if I throw a vulture off the board and my ship is not within distance one to five of it, I don't get the benefit. You don't get it, obviously. Yeah. So obviously, I would points. want all my yeah. ships to be at the edge, and that's generally how my games play out. Is that I lean hard to one side of the board, and then I I just kind of kind of do a sloop around that left or right edge the the short the three foot edge of the board and just take whatever the opponent throws and then it's it's my game to win and i feel like you know armada kind of lends itself to that in, in general right because you have the the whole three by six but that's really i think more for the deployment game the, the game itself ends up being played on a three by three um so yeah, no, it definitely allows you in most cases to, to capitalize on that and to be near the edge. Dude, that's that's one of the things that I kind of maybe want to do a, a podcast-specific episode on of one of the points of Armada that I think is the weakest, which is just the 
the amount of field space that's used in any particular game feels super <laughs> limited. I, I want the whole armada. I want the whole board to be filled with ships. I want not just a 3x3 space of the 6x3 being used. I want one section of the board to be important and another section of the board to be important. I want the well, center to be important. I want the sides to be important. I want there to be an even spread of stuff. And I, I think that there are a couple ways that that can be accomplished. Um, but, hint, hint to anybody listening, I'm not a fucking game designer, so don't fucking come at me. I'm just saying what I think would be cool. And if you're going to tell me I'm wrong, you better have a good fucking reason. Yeah. And I better know your name. <laughs> and where you live. And where you fucking live. So don't come at me. I'm just, I'm just saying, I think it would be cooler if instead of just having a dense area of the board, having it spread out, making sure that, like, you know, you've got a, a ship and it's got, you know, squadron value of two, should probably have two or three squadrons with it. Mm -hmm. You know? Instead of you just clumping all of your squadrons to get, it, to get that fucking huge alpha strike... I want a balanced kind of fleet engagement, but it's it's difficult for that to be efficient without also having either one objective that has multiple points of interest on the board or multiple objectives that they have done with a lot of the campaign packs. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so that's what I'm, my thought is. No, I think we're, I think we're both on board with that. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as wrapping this up, uh, you know, if you do have a list review, sorry, if you do have a list that you would like us to review, please submit it in the comments section of our YouTube channel. Uh, we will gladly tell you what parts of it are fantastic. So. <laughs> That's not what I fucking wrote. Uh, That's not right, what we'll I what parts fucking wrote. Chandler, Chandler will let you know all the things that you do wrong. Um, and that'll be that. All right. So. So, so tell me about, tell me about this section because. I remember you brought it up, but I was willing to dedicate like a whole episode to it. I didn't know we were going to do like a fourth segment, so I haven't researched I don't think we have it. enough yet to de uh, dedicate a whole episode, right? Because, I mean, let's face it, it's, uh, it's going to be a legal battle. All that's happened so far is that a cease and desist has been served. Uh, and then there's been... Um, well, to who? Do I know them? You should. Okay, so uh, first things first... Uh, you know, let's talk about the situation. Citadel served Colt's uh, 3D print. It's a website uh, with a cease and desist for a lot of their Warhammer stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So in, in the past, Chandler, you and I have talked about Thingiverse. Um, however, that's not my favorite site to go to. And I'm sure there's others, but, you know, these are the two main ones, Th Thingiverse and Colt's. I would say that Thingiverse uh, Colts... is probably one of the most abysmal sites to navigate on the planet. Yes, it's trash. Uh, Colt's is way better. Uh, for many reasons, uh, you know, definitely uh, up there on my list is it has a lot of not safe for work content. Okay. Nice to know. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but you can actually print in flexible materials. Oh. Um. <laughs> that is yes. nice to know. Yes. And don't forget, like, resin printing exists, right? So, like, really interesting stuff that you can do with that. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah, uh, moving on to that. Uh, from that, you also have paid content on Colts, which is a big difference from Thingiverse. Those are the two main things. Paid content and not safe for work content. Mm -hmm. Of course, the overlap between the two. 
Um, so that being said, you end up with a lot of higher quality models on cults. Um, yeah, I'm looking at them basically now. All the well, I'm, I'm looking at like um, the fucking Battletech stuff that they've got up there, which is mm-hmm. super cool. They've got a, a bunch of cool models and poses. Very well done. Fucking robots. There's one that's a monkey, which I like. What's his name? Oh my god, he's got a name. Iron King Gashapon. Okay, that's cool. And they got a bunch of tanks that look really high quality. Very high quality. So that's cool. I like it. It's it's beyond cool. I love this website. It's great. Um, do a lot of stuff off of there. Anyways, so, um, you know, that being said, uh, they were service cease and desist from Citadel. Um, they are not rolling over like most would. Um, there's a very high likelihood that this is going to have to go to court. Um, what they did do is, you know, anything that is paid um, that is basically Warhammer, they did take that down because that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, you can't, you can't like use someone else's property and like get paid for it. Um, yes. Uh, and then the other thing is specific keywords like 40k. Warhammer, Necron. To uh, to be fair, yeah, that is one hundred percent. Why are you using like the exact words that? So it's easy to find. Like, (laughs) I mean, so it can be found. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I I haven't seen any kind of. It's rare to see a third party. um, Straight up use those terms. Straight up using like the same terminology. They they always like get around it. They're like space army man you know yes you know what uh, we're but talking interesting. about the the bad guys <laughs> with the guns you you know well, you know the state got spikes space marine is not part of this list the, yeah but my point is still valid i know i just i did want to say that though which is an interesting note yeah um anyway so things like that uh got taken down but with the caveat that if they remove the offending items being the name uh, that they'll put them right back up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I think that was a lot of the problem in the issue is that they were using their, like, licensed terminology of, like, but, Necrons and shit. Here's the thing. If you look at them, like, the Necron Overlord model, it's the Necron Overlord model. Oh, it's, like, the exact same one? It's, like, the exact fucking the same one, dude. I don't know. That seems pretty close to me. I, I feel like... Well, but to be fair, like, a lot of 3D modelers for Star Wars have have been producing stuff and content that is really high quality, but it's like, you can't really do a variation of, like, an X-Wing or an Acclimator, you know? It's like, there's the ship that people want, and then that's it. You know, you can't really do a variation of an uh, Imperial Star Destroyer. That's like so, books third party that people would want to represent their Imperial Star Destroyer. You know what I mean? I, I Totally. So, well, that's a lot of going on, right? Uh, or, sorry, a lot of why this is important. Because the outcome of what happens when this goes to court is going to dictate uh, a lot of what's going to go on in the future of, of what's allowed to be on these sites. Um, you know, and, some, and something I actually meant to touch on before is there are a lot of Patreons that people sign up for. Um, like that are kind of like Warhammer specific, um, 
and like basically these people like make fucking space marines and if you're like a patron to them you get the files and you get to print them yeah like that's like the whole thing the whole situation there um so that's kind of also in play here uh, of whether or not things like that will get to continue um and how much like they'll have to change these models in order to comply or hopefully you know as uh, they won't have to change it um to be compliant and to be legal um a lot of like the mindset for 3d printing stuff is you make these files and you make them free um not very often do you see the paid stuff uh because that's just not the mindset there yeah um having a 3d printer is meant to free you from having to do that you know anytime that i have made something um i I, you see me i don't charge for a lot of the trays yeah or any of the trays that i made like if someone asked me for the file i would legit give it to them most likely um if especially if i knew them so it yeah um there's kind of a lot of moving parts here but it's interesting to see what the outcome is going to be um with that and the effect that it has on these websites going forward and our ability to get miniatures that are good um i wonder how close i wonder how long until like one of these major companies like warhammer and whatnot just start to kind of adapt like other companies have, like we've seen with, you know, Netflix and, and other, like what were previously cable-based uh, television providers where they just eventually join on, on the bandwagon and they have their own separate mm-hmm. subscription services. Like at what point do does like Games Workshop, they just say, all right, guys, listen, you you can sub to us you can sub to our website, and then here's some STLs. Here's some STLs, and these are official that products. Would be great. You can print them. You pay for this service, and if you would not like to print them yourself, these are the miniature physical models that you can still purchase. But if you if you've got the equipment, if you've got the know how, you can print them. You pay either a subscription or you pay a flat fee per model design set. You know, however much they want to fucking charge. Their prices are obnoxious, so it's hard to even guess how much they would charge for that kind of shit. But, you know, and they they just add it on. They just get more money for whatever they're doing. Um, How much longer until they themselves, instead of having uh, these resin, or not resin, what is it? I don't know what the molds are made of. They're plastic. It's yeah, really good plastic, though. It's really good plastic. It's, it's just some yeah. high-quality plastic that they use. Um, but how much longer until they start just resin printing their models? Because I will say, uh, resin printing, um, if you have a really nice one, you can get, I believe, better quality than you can get from a mold. And another thing that I've seen, I don't know how true this is, um, people kind of zooming in on some of the uh, pictures that have been put out by Games Workshop. And you can see some of the telltale signs of it being a printed item, as opposed to it being something that was a mold. Yeah, but that that I can defend by saying, well, of course. Of course they would not make a full mold for a prototype model. And they, of course they would 3D print a prototype model to make sure that the pose looks good, that the weight and balance is fine, that they can paint it and, you know, have their painters added, all that stuff, and then, you know, use whatever program they use to, you know, disassemble it and put it on the sheet 
and use their mm-hmm. plastic printing process to, to make a quadrillion model sprues for that same model. So of course they would do that. Why, why would they make their molds for a prototype model? Is it a prototype if you're going to be already having it like painted on the website, though? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at that point, it's well past prototype. Nope. I totally disagree with that. Because like how, yeah. how far away is their production process? Is it six months? Well, that's months? information I don't have. Or is it two years? I have because no idea. I would, you know? I would totally be on board if someone was like, yeah, they're, they're two years ahead. And I think even like Armada, just the rule set was at least a year, a year and a half ahead when they were in production. Mm. So I'm sure Games Workshop is at least two years ahead on any kind of models that they're even announcing. So yeah, having all of their media done months and months in advance, already having the painters at the model, I'm, I'm sure that that just all works into having a good workflow. And yeah, I mean, why would you print your prototype model, have it painted, and then once you have the molds and the process done for mass producing them, then just take one of those and then do it all over again when everything's already done? So I totally, I totally agree with, I guess, Games Workshop for having like a resin or 3D printed model like as a media post or something. I, I don't think that sounds outlandish to me. Because even uh, even for FFG, all of their articles, none of that is physical product. That's all CGI. That's all that's all three D modeling. None of that is physical. So I don't know. It kind of comes. They're a plastic company. Mm-hmm. It's very strange for them um, to essentially be using what is going to be and is currently their greatest competition. Um, Unless they're going to be incorporating it. I don't know. Well, they, we'll they essentially did incorporate it by using a test model and then incorporating it into, scale, their, but yes. into their process. So I, th- I think yeah. it's totally fair. I mean, but I mean, FFG, like all of their articles, all of their previews showing ships and stuff, none of that was, was plastic. That's it's all CG. CG. Yeah. That's all just test model footage that they used for their articles. So, you know, for media, I don't even think that is that strange? I think it's a little taboo. I think it's actually pretty efficient. It is efficient. Yes. But I think it's still taboo. Uh, maybe maybe, maybe if the product was wildly different. But, I mean, they don't, they don't even drill the barrels out of their guns on their models. Because it's not something that's in the product. Like in the in the like for their fucking space marines or their robots or whatever that they sell, none of their barrels are drilled, and obviously okay. that's one of like the most basic things that you would do when you're building a model, is drill out the barrels so it doesn't look like ass. So this and they is a know this, but they don't. They specifically don't do that because it's not on the official released product. All right, so this is a bit of a long shot. Would you say that layer lines are? layer lines oh like mold lines uh uh, mold lines yes but layer lines are specifically how you're able to tell that that was a 3d printed uh model because yeah but then then we're going back to it's just efficient for media you know it's like like i guess i I see your point but it's it's a loose point i'm not gonna argue it hard yeah 
But again, it's just it's that it, it's taboo and it's a little funky to me. Um, and that's it. I mean, yeah. imagine how they feel when they're using it and they're like, "Oh, we see the silver lining. Even we're doing it." <laughs> but I, I would say that they are so far ahead in their production process that it's just it's just wildly more efficient and beneficial for their whole production stream to just use the prototype model that they have and have it painted and have it have all the pictures taken and everything way beforehand and just, just to not redo it just because it's, it's, it's uh, 3d printed you know it seems it, it's a bit of a tough call uh i don't know i, I feel like i would want to know more about like how the pers- uh, how their process actually works right what if it's like super fucking easy for them to make a fucking flash uh a two a two-part mold um i don't know i can't imagine that yeah i have is. no idea i i am extrapolating on do. information that i have no idea how any of it works Oh, but Same. also, how do you feel about this recent influx from Wes Jansen? Have you Tell seen his more. stuff on? Nope. Do you, uh, go go to your go to Etsy real quick, or type in type in. All right. Uh, Wes Etsy. Oh, are you talking about all the three D printed ships? Yeah, Wes Jansen three D. But he's got a yeah, he's got a lot of super. They're fantastic. They're beautiful. I love them. High quality. Yes. Resin printed. I don't. It's not three D printed. It's resin printed, right? It's resin. But a resin printer is a three D printer. Okay. Well, it's magic to me anyway. But yes. anyway, yeah, but it is black magic. Like I was saying. But I bought a set of his X wings, and I remember I th- they're beautiful. They're the best, dude. He really needs to get a better camera, because the image <laughs> that he has on his website, I was I was looking and I was kind of debating and I was like, I'll take a shot in the dark. Like maybe they've got the detail that I want. I I kind of don't know about the size because they look like they'll be way larger than um, the Corset X-Wing, which is the X-Wings that I have for Armada. Mm-hmm. And they look, they almost look like they would be close, pushing on like some of the larger squadron size. And I'm like, you know, the X-Wings that I have aren't that large, even though I modded them with um, the pins for their laser cannons. The wire, yeah. And... When I got them. I know how much you hate to have things that are different. Dude, when I got them, they are so outrageously detailed that it must be black magic. <laughs> um, but anyway, the each wing has multiple like panel lines. Panel the, lines? The cockpit, just the cockpit. Just the cockpit. It's got the snub nose. It it oh, essentially so is like the a torpedo scaled tubes. down X Wing model. Is what it is, really. It might be. Because it's it's just got such crazy detail. It e- Dude, even the proton torpedo tubes on the sides of the nose are modeled. That's what I was saying. It's fantastic. It's insane. And to be fair, he could have taken a bigger model. He could have scaled it down. That's not impossible. That's literally how you do it if you want it. I mean, to be lazy. But, like, but it's incredible. It He's awesome. got some crazy shit. And this is what we were talking about earlier with um, Colts 3D, where he's using the exact terminology, where it's SW, Armada, blah, 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 ship. Mm. You know? Is he? With, like, the name and the class and everything. He's going to get smacked. And so it's like, God, I, I really, I really like the models that I got, and I love, like, just the range. That he did a fucking Falcon... He's doing these um, 
they, they almost look like modern day kind of fighter jets, but a little sci-fi to them. I've seen those, yep. He, he's got TIE fighters that look outlandishly better than any TIE fighter in Armada right now. Is They had the inside. They, they've got uh, the inside solar panels, solar panels perfectly lines. molded, the connecting points yeah. and everything. And so I'm like, man, I really like this. I don't want to spend all my money right away on his stuff, but like, definitely I'm considering buying it's on the list. a lot of his models. And I just don't, I don't want this site or this store to go away just because of some weird terminology issue. And then like, if you have to change it, like how do people find it? It's, it's tough. I don't know, but he's been posting a lot on, on the Facebook. So I think people are especially aware of, of his site, but I don't know. I, I would really like him to do or to just continue doing what he's doing. Cause he keeps posting fighters and stuff and they're fucking amazing. Yeah, I love them. The ships look really, really excellent. And honestly, like for for Rebels, because it's such a ragtag fleet, everything is supposed to be different. I feel like this adds needed variation to bring the realism to where I want it to be. Yeah. And it like gets me in the mindset of like just thinking of how ships or squadrons could be, you know, because once you see it, you're like, oh, that's right. That's how big it is. I mean, how, what role would it fill? Like, when I look at these Nantex starfighters, you know, and I'm like, huh, how could they have a cool, unique role in Armada? Mm-hmm. We've already got swarm ships out the ass. So what role could they fill? Maybe they could be the, the filler for what really hurts Separatist squadrons, which is counter. Counter really fucks over a lot of my vultures all the time. So what if these Nantex fighters had, like, generic snipe? They got snipe three. But instead of having their own anti-squadron armament, they don't have any anti-squadron armament, is my point. And instead, they only have counter two. So they've got snipe three or four and counter two. So they can't actually... You don't want them to engage and shoot a squadron like they can't lock it down on their own because they have no anti-squadron armament so why would you move them in to engage unless you're really desperate yeah and if they do get locked down well their armament's weaker now they've got counter two only they don't have snipe three or whatever long range attack they've got you know Mm -hmm. and i think that could make a really unique kind of outside on the borders fighter and not overlap with any roles that are already being filled. Because, let me tell you, the Separatists do not need another class of fighter for the squadrons. I think the the Vulture fi- fighter is the best fighter in the game. For sure. I, well, I don't have one. It's my favorite, um, you know, just from the movies in general. So I, I, I would agree with that. It's, it's not the even best, based off it's of the its most efficient. It's, it's just an unstoppable killer. It's so good because you activate it and it's got blue, black, black. It's fucking incredible. With Swarm, it has everything. It does so much damage. And so it's hard to think of a role for the Nantex that isn't something weird and unique like that where them not having an anti-squadron armament and instead having only counter and then snipe for their actual attack. So they've got to be a 
away. They've got to be on the edge. They've got to be just mm-hmm. picking off what they can and try and not get locked down. And that way, the vultures can all swarm on the target you want to lock down, and the Nantex can pick off and, and add to that. I'll just kind of play that back and forth, yeah. Yeah. But I really like a lot of the 3D modeling stuff that's been going on recently. And I hope it's it stays. interesting. I hope it stays. But yeah, anyways, yeah, this, uh, this Colts and, you know, Games Workshop Citadel situation, it, it, they're all kind of connected there. So, you know, hopefully we're, we're, we should follow it and uh, kind of keep uh, keep an eye on it. Yeah. Um, all right. So those are all the topics. I'm going to move on to the closing statements here. Uh, definitely, you know, thanks for listening to this episode of the Brace for Impact podcast. You can check out our battle reports and other video content on our YouTube channel. And if you would like, you can support future content and get early access to videos and podcasts on our Patreon. Uh, let's thank our patron, our singular patron. Uh, last name is Langford. What was the first name, Jan? Jason. Jason Langford. Big, uh, big thank you for letting us do what we do. Uh, we'll I wonder see if you he knows time. he still subscribes to us. Let's not remind him, but thank you. <laughs>